What a day, what a week. Big news to report. President Biden pardons all Americans convicted of simple marijuana possession. Herschel Walker continues to spiral. It is embarrassing. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals expedites the DOJ's appeal of Judge Cannon's unlawful assertion of jurisdiction. The Tom Barrick unlawful lobbying trial for the UAE is taking place, and former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson took the stand, dumping on Barrick and Jared Kushner. OPEC cuts oil production as part of its shady MAGA pro-Russia alliance to try and raise gas prices before the midterms. How about we cut their military supplies? A proud boy leader pleads, just even saying that makes me, a proud boy leader yeah, right. pleads guilty to seditious conspiracy in a D.C. federal courthouse and down the halls from one terrorist group is another terrorist group, the Oath Keepers. And the Oath Keeper leadership is on trial for their own seditious conspiracy conduct related to January 6th. And the Fulton County District Attorney, Fawny Willis, appears ready to indict the criminals Ooh. who interfered with the 2020 election in December, according to reports. Is that the growing scent of accountability, I smell? Or is it the marijuana? This is the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Marcellus. Joined <laughs> how, by okay. How Brett excited were you to deliver that line? How excited were you to break? I could tell line? he couldn't oh wait God. to get that line out. I know, Ben, yeah. he was on his toes getting ready for that one. He's been scripting it all day ever since the birth of Dank Brandon this morning. Ben has been scripting Brandon, for this moment. So much news today. Is this going to be like a six hour show? Where are we even going to begin? Could be. it this could, is it's it, Thursday. I, it's, like, are we, we going to go all night, everybody? Who's ready? No, for we are, are efficient with our time. Right. We are as efficient as can be. Let us get into it right away. Dank Brandon, did you come up with that name, Brett, or or was that floating out there? Are you taking credit for why, it? Like why a are you giving mom? credit to Brett on that one? You're dang, you, you're, you you're came dang up with Brandon it. I don't guy? know. We were definitely talking saying, about it in our. I am the marketing guy of the situation. I don't know why Brett would just be assumed credit. For that but it's fine. did you come up with the name dank brandon jordy neither can conform <laughs> okay nor historical breaking news to start the show as president biden announces <laughs> new actions on marijuana before and this is what biden has announced he said first i'm pardoning all prior federal offenses of simple marijuana possession there are thousands of people who were previously convicted of simple possession who may be denied employment housing or educational opportunities as a result my pardon will remove this burden. Second, I'm calling on governors to pardon simple state marijuana possession offenses. Just as no one should be in federal prison solely for possessing marijuana, no one should be in a local jail or state prison for that reason either. Third, we classify marijuana at the same level as heroin and more serious than fentanyl. Can you believe that? It makes no sense. I'm asking our Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, Secretary Xavier Becerra, and the Attorney General to initiate, or Javier Becerra, to initiate the process of reviewing how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Brett, what do you think about that? 
I mean, I think this is a huge deal. I think this is so smart in, in just a trillion ways. I think it's, first off, morally the correct thing to do. Um, secondly, I think it's politically brilliant and, and genius. And I think this is really going to have such a huge impact on people's lives. I mean, this is one of the most consequential. It's probably the most consequential and widespread use of the pardon power that I've ever seen in my entire life, for sure. Maybe in the history of the presidency. I mean, think about who president who former president trump pardoned think about what he used the pardon power for Such literally to get off his friends his actual criminals uh you know in some cases violent criminals real horrible offenders real people involved in some really shady crimes including mm -hmm. stuff that he was involved in himself and then you have president biden coming out and you have him using the pardon power as it should to actually restore justice to the world getting nonviolent offenders out of prison. And more importantly, I think, you know, everyone's going to be focusing on, you know, the, the number of people who are pardoned for their, you know, who are in prison and things related to that. But the biggest impact, in my opinion, is that it's removing all the consequences of those prior convictions. Huge. And that is going to impact so many more people than we're even going to realize because that's going to prevent barriers, all these barriers that people have to employment, uh, from accessing benefits, housing, mm -hmm. likely voting rights. I mean, this is going to restore people's lives in such a huge way. It just makes sense. Um, I also think one of the biggest things that he did that will have consequential effects on the future is President Biden starting initiating the, the change in the scheduling of marijuana. I mean, it's crazy that marijuana is considered the same as heroin and fentanyl, these drugs that are actually highly addictive and kill people. And these are the first steps that a president is finally taking to finally right this wrong. And I'm hoping the first steps towards full legalization, which I hope, it, which is where this is heading. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a home run. You have about 70% of the American population who supports the legalization of marijuana. This is good policy. It's smart policy. It's effective policy. The time is now. It's long overdue. Let's go dank Brandon. Come on. Let's go. And, and, and Brett, you missed the biggest point. You hit it on at the end. It gave birth to dank Brandon. Dank Brandon. Let's go. I don't think that was the biggest point, arguably, but I, I, but yeah, the memes are good. The memes are good too. <laughs> I always like what Jordy gleans from it. But Jordy, you know who you can't f with? You can't f with the Biden. Jordy, what in the world are you doing right Dang now? Hey, Brandon, baby, let's go. Jordy, this is the Midas Touch podcast. Dude, this is a family-friendly show. Let's go. Okay. Let's take it seriously. Fine, fine, okay, fine, fine. But for later, I'm sparking one up for Dank Brandon. Okay, I need Jordy. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a call. Moving, after, mo 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 moving on. Jordy's moving on. Called it after this. <laughs> no one Fs with a Biden. Did you see when Biden was in Fort Myers, spoke with the mayor, and they were talking about the work he was doing to help? <laughs> Jordy's doing this show. Like, dude, we're do doing a show, man. It's Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Brett where he said, no one Fs with the Biden? And he said it, so I guess we can we can play it. Meanwhile, Jordy's out there like cursing, smoking weed on the show. Jordy's like, I'm not, even, use, I'm not even using the F word. word. Jordy's gone completely rogue. I'm Don't trying to keep the show family friendly. Brett, let's can we play first. Can you show the photo before playing the clip, though? And I think it's just an important uh, photo when action is needed. Just look at Governor Ron DeSantis, Mopey Ron DeSantis, who is not a natural leader. He's not even like a fake leader. He's a wannabe fascist. And when 
He can't even relate to people. That's why that photo taken by the Associated Press is such, you know how photos can just capture a moment. For those listening on just audio, it's a photo of Biden who's speaking to people uh, in the area who have just been through devastation. He's putting his arm around a woman, the man next to him has a Florida t-shirt on and Biden's making them laugh. He's smiling. He looks confident. And then right next to him, you have Governor DeSantis, head down, mopey uh, jacket with one of those like gold buttons. I never really liked that style of jacket. No, 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 no. Ben's hating on the style too. He's going after the the DeSantis style. Ben, you're right. You're onto something with that. Uh, I'm not a big, just personally, you know, no offense to the gold. You're overcompensating for something there. With his head down and mopey and, you know, real leaders act like leaders naturally, right? And that's just a a trait that uh, Biden has. Well, one of the things that Biden has always had going for him and the reason the thing that makes him like a, a real great politician and the why the reason why he's president is his ability to actually connect with people and have empathy with people and stuff. And and when you're a leader, it, it's important that you have empathy and that you're able to actually, you know, well, empathize with yeah. people's feelings, especially in horrific situations. And so you could just it, that that picture is so brilliant because you could really read the room, so to speak, on how everybody's sort of looking at one another, the vibes that you're getting from everybody, just the warm and Brace of Biden with these people in Florida. And then you see DeSantis just moping around to the side. I mean, I think that really sums it up. And it's just time and time again, we talk about these strongman leaders, so to speak. Whenever they actually confront a real leader, they cower. They cower. And, yep. and that just epitomizes it. I remember the other picture, which I, I don't have right now, but I'm sure a lot of people remember it. The photo of the last tra- horrible tragedy in Florida when Biden met with DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there was that photo of Biden uh, next to DeSantis, where DeSantis is also like hunched over looking down. And then you have Biden just like giving him a look. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just the difference between leadership and actually like you know, it's the difference in leadership and then just like doing stunts and trying to just get attention for yourself. Like when you're actually confronted with a problem and you rise to the occasion, it shows. And there's a reason why DeSantis, you know, had to go out and be like, you know what? Thanks, Biden. Like you had to pull a whole like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Yes, Brandon. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. And the look at admiration on the faces of those Florida constituents that they have for Biden, the look of just how happy they are that Biden is there. It's telling. And DeSantis is sitting there like, oh, They never look at me like that. What do I have to do? What's the next culture war I could provoke? So they look at me like that. And it's like, no, buddy, it's not a culture war. They just want people that come in and help the situation that are real adults in the room. Wait, we haven't played the Don't F with Biden clip, and I'm sure everybody has heard it by now. But in case you didn't, listen carefully. Don't worry. You're not going to be able to hear a lot of the words, but you will hear the most important part. Here we go. So Biden's telling this uh, Floridian mayor, he goes, no one fucks with the Biden. And if you notice in the beginning, uh, also, I, I noticed something that Biden actually said to us when we had went to the White House. He said, keep the faith. Um, which is often something we hear President Biden say. But I, I love that. And I also love that like all these right wing channels posted it as if it was going to be some like knock on Biden. Like anytime they share something like that of him being like a real unfiltered human, I guarantee you his polls shoot up. And, you know, he, he just, you know, he, he delivers not only the bravado when he has to, but he also backs it up with the action like we saw today with this huge plan. And I'm, you know, that's we have the clip too, Brett, of Biden's press conference out in Florida where he says, 
This is the United States of America, and I emphasize united. I think that was such an important unifying speech, Brett, and I don't know if we, if we have that. I'm not sure. Let me check. But as I look for it, why don't you- uh... As you look for it, let me talk about this though as well. So a close friend of mine had this funny observation about uh, DeSantis. And he said, you know, one of the reasons why I'm confident that DeSantis will never uh, be able to like ever be president. I said, I said, why? He goes, his voice. I go, what do you mean? He's like, it's like the whiniest, most nasally annoying voice in the world. Like you never have a president with such an annoying voice. And, <laughs> and it was a very funny, and I was not expecting that that to be part of the analysis, but that was, well, you know, we, we should get, um, I think a lot of people know Matt friend who does these viral impressions of everybody because yes. he was working on a, a DeSantis impression, which he had showed us on the last podcast. If you look it up, Matt friend, he does the most amazing impressions. He does an incredible Howard Stern and Mitch McConnell and Trump and all these people. People. And I think he, if I remember correctly, I think he said his DeSantis maybe even stemmed from like a cartoon character. It was like how he kind of framed That's the, funny. I, I, yeah, I could be making, I, I could be totally making this up, but I'm curious to see where he got it from because he does kind of, he does kind of sound like a Simpsons character. Uh, if you really kind of think about it and he kind of walks like a Simpsons character and waddles like a Simpsons character. So like it all, it definitely all plays together. You see the picture of him with his like arms out as if he's like never used arms. DeSantis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's every, you mean every photo of DeSantis ever? Yeah, I've seen those. It's just like, <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Have you never, never stood before? Well, talking <laughs> about one mag themes in his suits. I love it. Talking about one MAGA extremist and Ron DeSantis to another, the MAGA extremist Republican candidate running for Senate of Georgia, Herschel Walker, apparently doesn't know the holes, the, the rule of holes, which he, he keeps on digging the hole even deeper. And should we just play this press conference from Herschel Walker uh, today, Brett? It was Reported by the Daily Beast first that Herschel Walker, who is his policies are total abortion ban, no exceptions, even in cases of incest and rape and where the health of a woman's on the line. He wants a total abortion ban. But in 2009, he paid for an abortion of a woman who he claimed he had no clue who she was. Well, the Daily Beast had kept her identity uh, anonymous, but it actually turns out when Herschel Walker made this that she didn't want to be anonymous anymore. And she's actually the mother of one of Herschel Walker's children. Um, so he absolutely does know who she is. And Herschel Walker held a press conference or his team threw him out there to hold the press conference to, I guess, try to do damage control. And this is what took place. Any of the mothers of your children no. To ask what? Why not? Uh, why'd I need to? Well, because according to the article, one of the woman who says that you paid for her to have an abortion is also the mother of one of your children. It seems like that's that's an easy way because to... Because of the article, I had more kids. That's why I reached out to anyone, because I said no, and that's what I mean. When I said no, I, I said it's not correct. That's a lie. And that's what I mean. That's a lie. But if the let woman said that, yes, she, let me go to her. Thank you. You said that if this did happen, there's nothing to be ashamed of. How do you? Wait, I never that? said. I you never said, said that this morning on, on you. No, what show. I said, I was yep. talking about something totally different than if this did happen. I said when I with my ex-wife in my past, nothing to do with what this woman said. So I said this. This here, the abortion thing is false. It's a lie. 
And that's what I said. I said, anything happened with my ex-wife or what Christian was talking about, I don't know. But as I said, if anything happened, there's nothing to be ashamed of. My ex-wife and I have been the best of friends with her husband and my wife. So that's the thing that I've said. And I said nothing about if it did happen, because I said that's a lie. Let me go to somebody else. Let me go, let's go here. Let me go over here. Let me go over here. Let me go here. Wait, let me go here. I'll come to you. Okay. What's your reaction to people so close to you? Your son, a mother of your, someone who says it's you, the mother of your kids saying that you're lying. What's your reaction to people so close to you saying don't trust you? Well, just like what I just said, the Democrat is desperate for this seat. This seat is important. They're, they're, they're very desperate for this seat. I love my family. I always love my family. I'm going to win this race. I know I'm going to win this race and stuff. I know I'm going to win this race and stuff. This is who the Republican Party, now co-opted as the MAGA Republican Party, believes is the most qualified person to become the senator of the great state of Georgia. And not only that, they have rallied behind him since this. Yeah, I mean, let's let's replay that uh, that last uh, bit of that conversation there between the reporter and Herschel Walker. The reporter goes, what's your reaction to your son and the mother of your kids saying that you are lying? And Herschel said, the Democrats are desperate for this seat. And they said, but it's your family, not the Democrats. It's your family. And he said, I love my family. That, that, that's how that exchange went. I mean, it just what this whole thing has exposed, and yes, this was already exposed before this, is that right. there really is no ideology whatsoever to the Republican Party. No. It's 100% about power. Everything that they pretend to espouse is bullshit. It's all, it's all a lie. It's all malleable. None of it matters. And you know how you know that's the fact? Because they literally made that their official GOP platform, whatever Donald Trump says, and threw out all of their policies in the last election. That's how you know. And you see that they're willing to literally. Okay, so in this scenario, in this scenario, Mm -hmm. according to them, Herschel Walker helped facilitate the murder of a baby. If you're going by what they pretend to believe, that's what he did. So they are saying flat out that we are willing to murder babies in order to get our candidate elected. And mm-hmm. it's that kind of hypocrisy that just drives me insane. And it's those kind of lies and endless lies. And Herschel Walker in one side of his mouth says he didn't do it. And then at the other side of his mouth, he says, mm-hmm. but I'm a man who believes in redemption. Well, in order for you, those things cannot coexist. Right. Those things cannot coexist at the same time. And a key part of redemption by the way, is apologizing and apologizing here for wanting to strip those rights away from Americans who deserve them. This should be an issue between a woman and her doctor, not between Herschel Walker, who had done this himself and now wants to make it illegal for you. And that's what drives me absolutely up the wall, because you know what? If you break it down, there absolutely is zero wrong with what Herschel Walker did. Right. There's nothing wrong with what he, in fact, I would say this is probably one of the guy's finer moments. You know, he, he actually, I mean, I'm not cheating on his wife and abusing his kids. I'm going to put that aside in, in this uh, respect. Um, but, you know, if you, if a woman who you were with wants an abortion, the fact that he helped her out 
took care of her, sent her cards. I mean, that's all nice things that, that, you know, if, if he was a nice guy, if he was a straightforward guy, like the dem, like, you know, if he was on a dem, a Democrat or something, he might say, you know what? Yes, I did this. And I took care of her and, and we would all be able to rally around it. But the fact is he wants to take away those rights from you. And not only does he want to take away those rights from you, he wants to charge you, your family members, your wives, your girlfriends, your daughter, charge them with murder and lock them away in prison for engaging in the same activity that he did. And that is just absolutely unacceptable. The moral rot of this Republican Party is just so exponential right now. And we have to call it out. And people are wondering right now, is this going to impact the midterms? Is this going to have any effect whatsoever? And I've seen all these articles saying, well, so-and-so a Herschel Walker voter and Trump voter says they don't give a shit. And I'm, I'm like, of course they don't. Like, why are those aren't the people that we should be caring about? But let right. me tell you, there is a, there, believe it or not, I know a lot of people may not because you're so involved in politics and you're online and you think everybody is kind of built in, right? But there is a small portion of people in the middle who do ultimately decide these elections and they are looking at what is going on and they are seeing it for what it is. And they are seeing the Republicans' hypocrisy. And this will hurt Herschel Walker in this election. And we have such a great candidate in Raphael Warnock, an actual former reverend uh, who has principles, who is a huge arbiter of voting rights. Like we have, the contrast has never been clearer here. And I truly believe that those voters on the fringe are paying attention very closely. Far from me to be a Herschel Walker apologist, by any means, I am not. But you have to get the sense that this Republican Party is just using him every single day in order to garner votes, in order to garner attraction to their party, their agenda. It's incredibly sad to watch all of this unfold. This is someone who should be nowhere near politics at all, running for Senate in one of the most highly touted seats in the United States. It's terrifying and it's sad. and It's going to backfire in the GOP's way in a tremendous way. I would say, Jordy, it would be, I, I kind of feel you in the sense that I want to be empathetic but it would be sad if this individual wasn't trying to make policy that could ultimately right. harm my family, my community, my country, kill my family, my community, and my country. And uh, a great statement, I thought, Brett, that I believe you wrote, Jordy. I can give you credit for it too, if that makes Thank you feel from yeah, the it does make me feel better <laughs> from the Midas Touch account. It says, "Quote: When you see the way Republicans lie so brazenly about the Herschel Walker scandal to attain power." Remember that this is what they do with every single issue. It doesn't matter how big or small the party is built on endless lies and gaslighting. And you think about that, Brett, every single issue, their cult leader, someone who they called on January 6th, according to Liz Cheney, who was in the cloakroom and heard them say it, they call their cult leader. Donald Trump, their orange Jesus. That is what the MAGA Republicans call them. In terms of them on every issue, here is someone who stole top secret, sensitive, compartmented information from the government. Could have even been nuclear secrets. That's what the reports are, that it's likely nuclear secrets that was in there. I mean, heck, I don't know if you saw, we posted a video on our YouTube channel of the privilege log that leaked um, temporarily on the uh, court's website, the district, Southern District of Florida's website. Even there, some of the documents that 
Ultimately, the Department of Justice's filter team said these documents weren't even attorney-client privilege. They're just government records. But Trump was keeping all of these records in terms of like who he pardoned and who he commuted sentences for. And he was definitely using these things transactionally. And if that's what we saw with the it's like 21 documents that were in Exhibit A, which were not privileged, and then B, Exhibit B was like documents that still weren't privileged, but potentially were kind of confidential records. And these were the documents he had there. Think about the other 11,000 records and the top secret compartmented information records that the Department of Justice um, requested back. And fortunately, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals gave them back. The Department of Justice in that case, just to give everybody uh, an update of what's going on with respect to that hack Judge Eileen Cannon, oh, who's a disgrace to the uh, judiciary. So the Department of Justice got those 100 classified records back through their motion for partial stay. The 11th Circuit granted that, but you still have Judge Eileen Cannon issuing these horrible judicial orders. She's overruling the special master, the distinguished Judge Raymond Deary, who Donald Trump wanted to appoint. She like accepted his appointment. And Judge Raymond Deary's like, look, Donald Trump, you are the plaintiff in this case. As the plaintiff, I'd like you to submit an affidavit under penalty of perjury that the documents that the Department of Justice claims were found there actually existed there. Or Donald Trump, here's this. If you claim they were planted, put that in a declaration under penalty of perjury. So you stop whining on your failing social media platforms uh, that they were planted. Just put up or shut up. And Judge Eileen Cannon swoops in and goes, I don't care that Donald Trump is the plaintiff. No affidavits for him. Only you, the Department of Justice, have to file affidavits. Like, what the heck in the world is that? So the Department of Justice last Friday, I think that was the last straw. They just said, all right expedited appeal. We can't live with this Judge Eileen Cannon anymore. And very quickly, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals granted the Department of Justice's motion to expedite their appeal. Now, remember, the 100 classified records have already been returned to the Department of Justice. So this just deals with the remaining documents. And the very idea, though, that Judge Eileen Cannon's assertion of jurisdiction was incorrect. She should never have asserted equitable jurisdiction in the first place. The same analysis that applies to the classified records should apply to everything. Jordy, grill me. Where's the checks and balances to make sure that never happens to begin with? Why, why wasn't there a system in place to make sure that Eileen Cannon couldn't do that? Because Donald Trump won in 2016, unfortunately, and people were complacent. Federal judges have a lot of power and they can be overturned by the Court of Appeals. But even the Court of Appeals could be corrupted. The, the judiciary is one of the most important things. The ability of a present president to appoint judges, so vital wow. and so critical. Um, and unfortunately, Trump appointed very unqualified young MAGA judges like Judge Eileen Cannon out there. And we see some of them in Texas. We see some of them elsewhere. By the way, some follow the law. Sure. You may recall Judge Nichols, Judge Nichols in the D.C. District Court judge, the right. judge who presided over the Bannon case, made some tough rulings against Bannon, um, upheld the law there. Um, he's made another number of other rulings against insurrectionists. But think about what Judge Eileen Cannon would have ruled there. But in any event, 
The Court of Appeals ruled that Trump can have no extensions, zero of time, because, you know, he would try to request all these extensions to try to drag this appeal out to 2023. And they said, we want final briefing to be done. I think it was around November 17th or late November um, when the briefing will be done. And so my prediction is late November, early December, the 11th Circuit's going to find that Judge Eileen Cannon should never have asserted equitable jurisdiction. It's going to be a scathing opinion. I'm very confident of that. And at which point, can she be removed from her judgeship? Can she be removed from that seat, Ben? No. <laughs> Fortunately, not. She could technically be impeached, um, but the it's, the, it's not going to happen. Let's not let's, let's be happen. real. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen, uh, and we never lead anyone on to believe that that's even a possibility. But okay. um, that's a good thing we addressed it. Oh, 100%. But I think, Ben, what I, what I think a lot of people are getting a little confused about in this moment is that there's just there's so much going on, right? Like there's just the, this, this judge and that judge and the 11th Circuit and appeals court and, and the magistrate and the Supreme Court. Like there's so much for people to process. And as a layman, I think people are like, what the hell is going on? How do these things tie into one another? So how does the Supreme Court factor into all this and Trump's appeal to the Supreme Court? So what Trump filed with the Supreme Court is a motion to vacate the partial stay returning those classified records back to the Department of Justice. So what Trump is asking the Supreme Court to do on an expedited basis is to get those documents, the classified records back, which he's never claimed to own, to get that back into the special master process, which is weird because the special master has already stated, why would I have any say over these classified records in the first place? So there's this double speak that Donald Trump is doing with this Supreme Court and basically saying, here, all I want to do here is expedite the process before the special master. Meanwhile, in front of the special master, he's trying to delay, delay, delay. Now, here's the thing about Trump. what Trump did with the uh, Supreme Court. It's an emergency application, and there is a Supreme Court judge assigned to each circuit who can rule on emergency orders for a temporary period of time before it's then revisable or before the whole court comments. So it could be a temporary relief given by a Supreme Court justice in emergency situations. Unfortunately, the 11th Circuit's uh, Supreme Court judge who oversees it is Clarence Thomas. Um, And so there is a concern, and Clarence Thomas has ordered the Department of Justice to respond to Trump's ridiculous brief that he filed with the Supreme Court. I mean, Trump's position with the Supreme Court is that the 11th Circuit never even had appellate jurisdiction in the first place because they only have jurisdiction to rule on injunctions. And Trump claimed this was not an injunction. This was a special master order. And the 11th Circuit previously said, no, it's both. They're inextricably intertwined because the Department of Justice was enjoined or stopped from accessing their own records. Of course, we have jurisdiction. So Trump's basically calling the 11th Circuit out as being idiots, which the 11th Circuit's not going to take very nicely there. Um, But we'll see what Justice Clarence Thomas does. But remember, for those saying he may make a bad order, it is then revisable by the entire court there. And that piece only relates to the classified records, not the overall order 
remember that she should not have jurisdiction in the first place, which is what they're appealing to the 11th Circuit. So Yeah, it's very, very, very narrow, Trump's uh, application, actually, at the end of the day. And I think people forget that more times than not, if not nearly every time, on issues kind of like this, the Supreme Court has ruled against Trump, despite all the corruption in the Supreme Court. I mean, what Trump's trying to do is just so outside of the law, just so outside of bounds. And you could have an Alina Haba or whoever go on TV and spew the nonsense that they spew. But that stuff does not work in a courtroom. And not only does it not work in a courtroom, but it's actually so uh, bad faith that it could actually lead to sanctions of these attorneys while they try to clog up the system with these bullshit arguments. And I even saw Alina Haba still to this day going on TV, trying to compare the fact that Trump potentially had nuclear documents on him to an overdue library book. This is the line that they've been using for a while now. It's just like an overdue library book. Oh, it's just like what you're at Blockbuster Video and and forgot to return your uh, video. No, this is absolutely nothing like that. There's a reason why our government is taking this so seriously because they take probably nothing more seriously than our top secret national security information. I'll play you this Alina Haba clip because I know Ben loves commenting on these Alina Haba <laughs> clips, and then I'll see you on the other side. $75 million for Mar-a-Lago. Show me any property that's comparable for $25 If that's worth $75 million, we should pool our well, you finances. You want to split it? We'll you know, split it. We could probably get a favorable <laughs> loan and go down there. Yes. I mean, I would, I'd love to have that. It'd be tough to yes, you know, you air condition that place in the summer. Um, okay, so the former president said just this week that he would like the Supreme Court to take a look at this. Um, how does that work? So you file an application with the Supreme Court. They take a look at it. They've already said that they do want a DOJ response. Um, so that's good. And what they'll do is they'll take a look at what the 11th Circuit did, which we believe was flawed, saying that the special master can't look at classified documents. Well, then why do you have a special master? Um, It's a DOJ, again, dual justice system, trying to slow things down um, and try and get, you know, what I'm sure they hope is some charge before midterms. It's all a political ploy and it's it's nothingness. This is a library book situation. A library book situation. Trying to slow things down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She, I mean, she's giving away the game, isn't she? <laughs> just every single time. She's just giving away the game. Um, I, I mean, I think it's really unfortunate that we have these attorneys who are just so disingenuous, who are really just making a complete mockery of the legal system. And that's and what they're doing, Brett. They, they wouldn't dare taking this argument into a court. We've seen them time and time again, go on Fox News, go on OAN, go on whatever the hell platform that they want to go on and spew just lies over lies and lies. And then when they get into the courtroom, you know, their argument changes quite a bit. So it's just it's hilarious fun. to see. It's funny to see how like there was like one case on top of another case on top of another case there that she was even speaking about. Like at at, I think in the beginning, she was actually talking about the Tish James case. And then she went on over to the Mar-a-Lago case because Donald Trump is just so entrenched in constant lawsuits that he doesn't even know like where to begin. It's they try to muddy the waters as much as they can, because if you're confused as the audience, you just assume, oh, that person speaking that that lawyer, they're really smart. They're saying things that I just don't understand because, you know, I'm not a lawyer. But in reality, they're spewing nonsense. And you shouldn't believe she literally said unless Jay, they're under they're, oath. Go ahead, Ben. She literally said they're trying to slow things down so that they could speed things up. In the same sentence. That's what I wanted to say before. It's like a Michael Scott line from The Office. And that it's just a library issue. You know, that's part of the piece, though, to me, as 
a lawyer that is just so distressing and so depressing that there are lawyers out there like that. And the fact that she had an audience before Judge Eileen Cannon who bought into that garbage. I mean, fortunately, when she brought that racketeering RICO lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and others, also in the Southern District of Florida, and they were trying to judge shop to get Eileen Cannon, but that was rejected. And they got actually a judge who follows the law. Not only did she lose that case when they sued Clinton and like 30, 40 other people, the judge retained jurisdiction for sanctions because the case was what's called like rule 11 sanctionable, meaning it was basically a frivolous filing when you break it down. And so the judge says, I'm going to sanction you. And what do they do? Like they just filed another lawsuit in Florida, right? Against CNN, CNN for the yeah. for defamation by, because they said CNN used the term the big lie and that defamed Trump's reputation. I still haven't uh, been served with a lawsuit from Donald Trump for also calling him a racist and for calling it the big lie. I still feel kind of bad about it. I don't know. I, I thought we were pretty clear. We have a video called Vote Out Racism about Trump's history of racism that I think has three and a half million views. You think you'd be worth something in the legal space? I'm, something, I'm, you guys. I'm telling you, brothers, the night is young. <laughs> We will, we, we will see. The night is young here on the Midas Touch, but the sun may be setting on Tom Barracks. Ooh, legal, yeah. That's what we call a transition. Unlawful lobbying scheme is what is being alleged by the uh, Department of Justice there. He's being tried in the Eastern District of New York. Coincidentally, Eastern District of New York, you know who the former chief judge was? Judge hey, Raymond Deary, the special, ma the special master in the Judge Eileen Cannon, uh, Mar-a-Lago case. Rain, ben. That's crazy. Like that, right? um, so Tom Barrick is being charged with unlawful lobbying activities for the United Arab Emirates, um, basically using his relationship with Trump to try to give kickbacks and other benefits to the mm. UAE. This trial is a significant one because a lot of this conduct was going on in the White House with foreign governments, literally from the day Trump won, showing up at Trump Tower. I remember those C-SPAN videos. You would literally see- That was the, the craziest time on the planet watching those C-SPAN videos, just one dignitary after the next, walking in that golden elevator. America Close was for sale. Unbelievable. He put America for sale. He put our national interests, our national security, our domestic security. Mm -hmm. He put everything for sale and people like Tom Barrick, it is alleged, were intermediaries uh, between that and former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Re remember Rex Tillerson? Dude, you forget these people, don't you? Yeah. You're like, Rex Tillerson, you could have told me Rex Tillerson was around like 50 years ago. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like Rex Tillerson feels like ages ago. I mean- just think about how long ago that was in the Trump administration with all we've been through with all this basically chaos. Rex Tillerson said, look, as the secretary of state, I was actually trying to represent the country and what our typical positions are that are informed by secretary of state officials and what, what our normal foreign policy is. And then people like Tom Barrick would just do their own thing and they would be unauthorized, like interfering with our policy. And he mentioned not just Tom Barrick, but also Jared Kushner, he said, you know, in his testimony as well, he's like, I would say one thing and then I would learn that our policy was being undermined by other people. Tom Barrick, a private citizen, uh, Jared Kushner, whatever the hell role that he had essentially functioning like 
uh, United Emirati Prince. That's or- what's weird here too, right? Because you have Tillerson also saying that there were things that he was not aware of going on. You would think that as a secretary of state, you would have a grasp of all the things that would happen that relate to secretary of state business. But Tillerson even said, he said, it was evident that at times, Mr. Kushner was engaging with the same government officials on the same issues I was engaging with them on and that those messages were not consistent. So you had basically Jared Kushner acting as a rogue secretary of state there to be buddy buddy with mbs and this is all going to come full circle too when we start talking about the opec issue right here but the corruption is just so apparent and the fact that trump was undermining his own officials undermining his own cabinet with his kids and his son-in-law i mean no wonder why the government was in such a disarray and the government was being sold to the highest bidder at all times did you remember the story brett it's gone somewhat forgotten in all of the trump scandals but didn't kushner give the Saudis like a list of quote unquote enemies of the state. And then the Saudis swiftly killed the individuals uh, within Saudi Arabia who were identified on this list as one of the things. And then Saudi Arabia then gives Kushner uh, $2 billion as a fund manager, even though Jared Kushner is not a fund manager. And here's $2 billion. Even the Saudi foreign wealth fund said, don't give him that money. And that was overruled by MBS and no, I'm doing this. And and then you think about, it's all connected, Brett. Let me, let me, let me read this to you, Ben, because it is incredibly disturbing. It's exactly what you were just talking about. Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman bragged of receiving classified U.S. intelligence from Jared Kushner and using it as part of a purge of, quote, corrupt princes and businessmen. The de facto ruler of the Middle East's largest economy is currently on a U.S. tour, which has seen him meet President Donald Trump. This is written in the past in the White House, hold talks with a string of the country's richest and most influential people and book the entire four seasons in Beverly Hills for himself and his entourage. Sources say that the prince, known by his initials MBS, has been boasting about his close relationship with the president's son-in-law and senior advisor and the intelligence which he has told his circle, Kushner, passed to him. That's what we always say, like, when people have these kind of, you know, conspiracy theories about Trump had all these confidential documents on him, what was he doing? Was he selling them to the Saudis? Oh, no, that sounds too crazy. That sounds not. That's what he was doing during the presidency. So I don't see why it would be any different when he was out of the presidency. I really don't see why that would be far fetched at all to believe that's what Donald Trump was doing after the presidency. That's what Jared Kushner, Ivanka, Don Jr. That's what all of them are doing after the presidency. They're all going to use this for their own benefit 100% of the time. And the benefit is for power but mostly to enrich themselves because they need Mm -hmm. the money. They're not getting the money from other banks. This is a source of income. It's a source of leverage that they have against the United States of America. I mean, I think the more we continue to find out about these classified documents, and we found out a whole bunch so far, and it's been so disturbing so far what we found, but I think we've only begun to scrape the surface as to what's going on with those documents, what was going on with those documents in Mar-a-Lago. I think it's going to blow people away as we continue to find more and more and peel back the layers to this thing. Look, he was definitely transactional about these documents. And the story that I think is somewhat missed here um, with the uh, focusing on the trees instead of the forest here, is that when those 15 initial boxes were returned to NARA in early January of 2022, after they've been trying since mid to late 2021 to get those records back, the reporting is that Donald Trump was the one himself 
who cherry picked the documents into the boxes and turned them over himself. That's what the Washington Post reported. It was like a throwaway sentence in the story, but he literally cherry picked the documents and kept the ones that were the most serious, the most sensitive, and that he needed, I believe, for his transactional uh, businesses uh, and his interactions with these other governments. As I said, look at the documents that we know exist just from that privilege log, which really aren't even privileged documents, which the Department of Justice said, look, we're taking the broadest possible definition. This man was, in, we know he was, but like Sidious, sinister about the, doc, but like very specific on documents that he stole. Here's my question for you though also, and I think I know yeah. the answer. Um, Trump this whole time has been saying that he had no part in taking those documents. So could the fact that we are finding out that he did indeed have a very specific role and a hands-on role in taking these documents, is that not a consciousness of guilt right there? Well, that is why it was vital what Judge Raymond Deary was doing. Put forward an affidavit under penalty of perjury and just give us the facts of what took place. Obviously, that would have put Trump in a bind because typically, just like what he did when he was confronted with Tish James in a deposition, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth. And so he was basically asked by Judge Raymond Deary saying, look, you're the plaintiff in a civil lawsuit. Waive your Fifth Amendment rights and tell me exactly what happened. And that's when Judge Eileen Cannon swooped in and stopped that, Brett. But to your point, at some point, that's what needs to be addressed. And that's what Judge Raymond Deary was actually getting at with his order, which is like, okay, you're suing for this stuff. Is this yours? Did you plant it? Give me the facts and circumstances around why it's there. Because Trump's been saying everything. The documents were planted. He didn't know. He telepathically declassified the record. Like he's gone through so many iterations. It literally makes no sense. But Brett, as you mentioned, this is all connected, right? And speaking about the Tom Barrack trial and Trump selling out our nation, um, he was selling out our nation to the Saudis, to United Arab Emirates, to the highest bidder. And look what's taken place, though, today with OPEC. OPEC has reduced oil production by 2 million barrels per day. And this move is designed to artificially inflate, artificially inflate crude prices, which have fallen to roughly $80 a barrel and try to bring that up past $100 a barrel. I mean, here you literally have a collusive cartel before midterms, and this would also benefit Russia trying to interfere. And this is why it is. And by the way, these are the buddies. These are the friends of Trump and Kushner. And by the way, these are people who MAGA Republicans. What in the world is that that you just put? Is that Jared Kushner? It's That's Jared Kushner. Kushner. Jared yeah. Kushner. Photo of Jared Kushner. These are MAGA Republicans, though, literally rooting on to own the pro-democracy or own the libs or whatever it says. Let's get higher gas prices. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Screw America. I mean, that's what they cheer for at these rallies with ever dwindling rally sizes. Yeah. <laughs> you like, did I throw you off with the Kushner uh, picture? It's a I real mean, it's picture. a spot on. It looks it's, just it's, like it's, him. It's a real picture, Kushner. For the audio Honestly. listener, it is in 100% it's real It's more picture. Jared Kushner than Jared uh, Kushner. Jared Kushner. No, but I mean, I, 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 
you don't need more than two brain cells to see what's going on here with OPEC and with the Saudis and with Russia. They're clearly trying to harm the West. I'm not going to think it's even 100% about the United States, but they're clearly trying to harm the West here. And that's one of the big problems of the global reliance on Saudi Arabia and America's reliance and, and having them as an ally like this and not being able to push back forcefully. I mean, we need to stand up at some point and we need to say, listen, we are the United States of America. We do not take shit from these dictatorships. We do not take shit from kings. We are mm -hmm. going to do what we're going to do. We're going to do our own thing. We need to be more reliant on our own technology. That's why the push for clean energy, I think, is so important. Yep. And that's why I think it's so hypocritical when you have the right start mocking clean energy and, and going against clean energy. You saw Marjorie really Taylor Greene's thing when she went that route. What did she, what did she do this time? Oh, when she gave the rally, she was like, I don't like electric vehicles. I need that oil. I want that smell. I, I we're not, we're she, not made the, she made the condescending comment. If not homophobic, homophobic, homophobic it was comment. totally homophobic. Let's let, let's play the clip. We'll, we'll talk about it. More American than the roar of a V8 engine under the hood of a Ford Mustang or Chevy Camaro. An incredible feel of all that horsepower. But Democrats like Pete Buttigieg want to emasculate the way we drive <laughs> and force all of you to rely on electric vehicles after they shut down your great Michigan auto industry. And I mean, first I mean off, Obama literally saved the auto industry. Obama and Biden saved the auto industry also. And she's in Michigan spewing that bullshit. But the fact that like, you know, it, it just shows you these surface level things that they latch on to these culture war issues of like, oh, it's it's manly if you hear the roar of an engine and you have a like who gives a shit? Like, like let's try to actually do things that are gonna actually and then, by the way, did you see Pete Buttigieg on Fox News sort of rebuking those comments? I mean, he is booted. He's a masterful messenger, man. Absolutely. Because what he, what, he, and what he does, though, is like, he's just like, yeah, I saw that. That's like, that's some really like weird, weird shit. He's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, that's some weird stuff. Somehow that manliness is tied to. Oh, he's so uh, good. Do we have that clip to play? Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, the Georgia Republican at a rally in Michigan, said this uh, past weekend uh, that Mr. Buttigieg is trying to emasculate the way we drive by, as she goes on to explain, by supporting environmentally friendly Pete's face transportation. When he said that. <laughs> but what did you think of her wording? I, I literally don't even understand what that means. I mean, my sense of manhood is not connected to whether my vehicle is fueled by gasoline or whether it's fueled by electricity. This is a practical matter. Were you offended, by, were you offended sure. by that, sir? Because even people who you know, share her politics, didn't share that. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It was a strange thing to say. Uh, you know, to be honest, there are other members of Congress that I pay more attention to when I'm thinking about uh, opinions that, that, that uh, really matter or ideas that are going to be critical to engage with. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of weird too how that reporter who i think is a you know quote unquote one of the more normal fox news reporters was getting was trying to get pete to say he was offended by that to make that new headline pete Buttigieg offended by marjorie taylor green he, he's so good at not taking the bait he's and, so good and, and at not taking the, so, didn't even exactly. say her name you know just, messenger he does not take the bait he scoffs at it laughs at it i don't even know what the hell she's talking about let's get down to the facts Boom. Pete is amazing, man. <laughs>
Big Pete fan over here. I I couldn't agree more with you, Jordy. We still have to talk about the proud boy who pled guilty for seditious conspiracy. We got to talk about that Oath Keepers trial of Stuart Rhodes, a trial for the leadership of Oath Keepers. I think the Oath Keeper is the appetizer into the proud boy. That's how you want to do it. Okay. Um, and then we got Fawny <laughs> Willis, the uh, district attorney of Fulton County, who says she's ready to indict the criminals who interfered with the uh, election. She's ready to indict in December, according to a report from CNN. I Let's want to give them go. kudos for that scoop. But before Let's hitting go. those stories, I want to tell everybody to go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We are not funded by any outside investors at all. We are powered by democracy and fueled by you. If you like the independent media that you are watching right now, you can support the Midas Touch network growth by going to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. There are exclusive membership benefits like you could become a producer of this podcast at the end of the show. You'll see the list producers who got that tier over at patreon but there's other tiers where you can get postcards other exclusive podcasts i think most importantly i always hear from people how could we help grow this network what could we do no matter where you are in the world you could help grow this network and keep it 100 independent and we would be so grateful for that go to patreon.com slash midas touch I got to say the Patreon community has been awesome. Also, like we got such a cool crew of people there and we are nearing 1500 patrons, which is super exciting. Less than two months. In less than than a month, I would say. Yeah. 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 We have almost 1500 patrons there. So join this new growing community. It'd be great to see you all there. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And we will see you there. And we answer all of our messages there. So come hang out. Also get the best pro-democracy gear at store.midastouch.com. The Midas Touch gear is pretty much everywhere right now. I've seen people at the local supermarket wearing the Row, Row, Your Vote shirts. And I've seen the Rovember. Who was talking about it on TV the other day? So there was some host that was speaking about the Row, Your Vote shirts on TV. That's a great point. On the Sunday shows, I believe. Go to store.midastouch.com. All of our merch is made in the United States and was 100% made by union workers. And so I normally don't knock the knockoffs because I think sometimes that's the best form of flattery copying, but I don't like that they're not made in by union uh, companies mm-hmm. and that it's not made in the USA. So go to store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. We even have the convict or convict 45 shirts there and again hit the subscribe button will you if you are on youtube we're at a million subscribers hit the subscribe button and do me a favor youtube watchers wherever you get the audio podcasts wherever you listen to audio podcasts please subscribe to midas touch on your audio podcast listen to it a little bit on the audio it's a fun audio experience and make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your audio podcast of the midas touch podcast same thing for you audio listeners go to the midas touch youtube channel as well and subscribe to the midas touch youtube let's continue to grow this community uh i'm just going to go with my order jordy i appreciate your oath keepers uh, appetite (laughs) with mine, which is uh, a proud boy leader, Jeremy Bertino, who led one of their chapters, I guess, in North Carolina, pled guilty for seditious conspiracy, um, which is the most serious charge, basically trying to overthrow our democracy is what the uh, 
charges. And in his guilty plea, he also mentioned the other leaders of the Proud Boys like Enrique Tario. Um, remember, Brett, that Jeremy Bertino was in those encrypted message chat rooms with the Proud Boy leadership. They were exchanging messages, absurd messages about overthrowing our democracy. The rest of the Proud Boys are set to go to trial in December, that terrorist organization set to go to trial in December. But that's why this is also a very big guilty plea, since he will now be used as a witness to testify against the other uh, Proud Boys. One of the things that Jeremy Bertino, you also may remember, he was in some of that January 6th footage talking about when Trump said, stand back and stand by that that had increased the membership of the Proud Boys exponentially. That was viewed as a message and a, as a big recruiting tool for the Proud Boys. There's a uh, photograph for those watching of Jeremy Bertino and a photo that we just put up of him for our I talked about that in my video today when we get to the other person who will speak about that stand back and stand by message. I mean, you want to brush it off? That really resonated with a lot of these militia groups, especially the Proud Boys, especially the Oath Keepers. Jordy, I I think since you said that uh, you wanted the Oath Keepers to be the appetizer, you did a video hit on it, Jordy. And everyone says, let Jordy speak Let him speak. Jordy, you want to talk about the Oath Keepers? Absolutely. So a former Oath Keeper today testified that Stuart Rhodes informed him that he was in contact with a Secret Service agent. This guy's name was John Zimmerman. He said that he heard on the other end of a phone call that he was under the impression that Rhodes was in direct contact with the Secret Service agent, which was later confirmed to him by Rhodes. Now, if you forget who Rhodes is, Rhodes is the guy with the eye patch who shot his own eye out, you know, gun safety and all. He was the one that was on the ground that day coordinating with Secret Service members who were then in direct contact with Donald Trump about whether Trump was going to invoke the Insurrection Act. So, how would these groups know if Trump did invoke the Insurrection Act? Well, they would just go to their Secret Service buddy who had that contact with Trump, who would then let them know. That is bananas. Oh, I think we still need to delve into the direct connection. This was what this uh, individual who testified overheard uh, Stuart Rhodes bragging about. That is why the January 6th committee is also digging into those Secret Service communications. Since Biden appointed a new head of the Secret Service, they've already got their hands on about 800,000 new documents that was previously not being turned over. But what's so interesting, too, is literally in the same courtroom, right, where the proud boy Jeremy Bertino pled guilty to seditious conspiracy, you literally go down the hallway and you have Stuart Rhodes before Judge Amit Mehta, who's the uh, district court judge in the D.C. uh, court overseeing that trial of the Oath Keepers, which is a multi-week trial, a very important trial for the Department of Justice to win. The Oath Keepers' essential defense in that case was that uh, they were waiting on Trump to deliver orders Uh, under the Insurrection Act, as Jordy referenced, to then overthrow the government. And so their whole argument is that that's why they brought the weapons. They thought they were going to get an order for Trump to act 
act. Um, and I got to imagine this all really is going to hurt Trump down the line as they build these cases. And by the way, this is exactly why it's so important when everybody's like, well, why don't they just indict Trump right now? Because think about it. All these cases right here are going to be used to build the case against Donald Trump. When you have these people saying, I was waiting on Donald Trump's orders, and you hear that over and over. And if you look at a lot of the arguments that the attorneys are making for a lot of these January 6th defendants, they all say, oh, yeah, they were working at, on behalf of the president. They thought they were working on behalf of the president. They thought that Trump was telling them to do these things. That's all going to come back to bite Trump whenever we get to that stage of the game. We're not there yet. We're still a ways off. But I think that's why it's important. You know, that's why you build the case the way they're building the case. I'm as frustrated as anybody that they don't just go for it because I want to see that too. But I think it's very smart that they are leading up to it by getting this sort of testimony, by getting this all on the record with these guilty pleas. Oh, by the way, seditious conspiracy, there really aren't many crimes much stronger than seditious conspiracy. It's basically as high as you get in this country as far as a crime against this country. So, I mean, th this is a big, big deal. And don't just don't discount it in the barrage of noise that's out there and in stories that are just coming at you. This is a big, big, big deal. Huge, huge. That's why we like to cut through these stories. And, you know, the analysis that we give, I think, places these stories in their own kind of proper setting so you know what's going on, but also uh, connects these stories and how they're all related. And ultimately, when you follow these lines, you really only get to one person, which is Donald Trump, but you have to build that. You can't start. As Jordy said, you know, this is the appetizer and then we got to get to the main meal. Um, you know, you may have been onto something there, Jordy, because in terms of the department, you're welcome. In terms of the Department of Justice's prosecution, well, their the style trickle down. It's bottom up. That's another great point you raised there, Jordy. Um, and then finally, we got to talk about the uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis. She's been hard at work. There's been a special grand jury in Fulton County that has been impaneled for some time. The special grand jury can't indict. They make recommendations to indict, and then you go before an actual grand jury that could give criminal indictments. You don't have to wait for the recommendations from the special grand jury, but that's probably what you do in best practices. But special grand jury practice is still very rare in Georgia. But the CNN reporting that uh, Phony Willis is gearing up to indict in December. Um, we know that some of the criminal targets were the fake electors, people who self-appointed themselves as fake electors instead of the real electors who are sent to be certified on January 6th. And the whole plan and plot here was for Congress, the MAGA Republicans in Congress, to object to the actual elector slates. And then they wanted Vice President Pence to say, all right, I got the objections, everybody. Uh, those are all disqualified. Oh, what's this? <laughs> I got another elector slate. Oh, this is from Georgia. This is from Arizona. This is from Wisconsin. This is from over here. Okay, we got a new king, everybody. It's Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump would come in and declare himself king. Now, that sounds preposterous, but that was actually what the plan was. And when Vice President Pence tried, actually, that's why he shouldn't get too much credit. He tried to reach the answer that would justify that to occur. But ultimately, he thought he would be criminally prosecuted for that. And so he wouldn't go along with that. And when he wouldn't go along with that, what is the last line of decision making? 
you know those like decision making charts that people have like where they try to like go through the process yeah. for maga it's a very simple one and ultimately the last one where all your other stupid things and criminal things don't work you inspire violence and literally with all of the mar-a-lago search stuff related to that case it was kind of truncated into like three weeks all of a sudden like they cycled through every one of the excuses and then lindsey graham got to riots like right in like two weeks all right there's gonna be riots there's gonna be violence there's gonna be blood in the streets oh i didn't really mean that i'm gaslighting you but that is ultimately what took place there Fawny willis has been working really really hard i think there's real exposure for these uh, MAGA Republicans there in Georgia. We'll see who she indicts and uh, will she indict Trump? Will she indict people like Giuliani? Will she indict the uh, fake electors? Um, that is to be head of the Georgia GOP who has been informed he is a criminal target. I mean, there are a lot of targets here in this case, huh? There are a lot of criminal targets. So stay tuned there. Wow. Lots and lots of news covered. I mean, we did that in an hour. Come That's pretty on. good. That's pretty good. I'm that seeing some people. Everything in an hour, buddy. I'm seeing some people say that they want to see us go another hour. We're not going to do another hour right now, but maybe one day we will carve off. Maybe we'll do like a marathon day. Like what if we just did like six hours live or something like it we just went crazy maybe. one day. Maybe one day we do a Midas marathon and we hang out with everybody. It may have to be a special occasion, but I think that could be fun and an endurance test. And we'll see how that works. Jordy, uh, getting all dank Brandon over there in his uh, room ready to get for, the list, for the audio Brandon. listeners. Jordy's room just turned completely red and Jordy is now teared off for a quick there. second because yes. I was working on something on the sidelines that I think Brett is, is ready to bring up Brett, Do you think you could bring it up? Brett. Is it what I'm seeing that's on our website right now, which I'm seeing for the first time? I, th yes, I think sir. I think that this is what Jordy thing. wants me to show him. See, Jordy just I no no permission. Other Jordy just and I created. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Yes! Tell everybody what yes! they're seeing because we have audio listeners. You got to tell the so audio. For listeners. the audio listeners out there, we made a Dank Brandon sticker. It's obviously your marijuana leaf with the words Dank Brandon beautifully written across it. You could pick that up right now at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. And here's why you actually have to go and buy it right now. Because if you don't, the brothers will never let me make another piece of merchandise again. And I have full confidence that you guys won't let me down. Listen, well, you know I what, am... Jordy? Thank you for that dank Brandon. But because we're live live, I have a breaking news update. And this is a top Justice Department official told Trump's lawyers in recent weeks that the Department of Justice believes that Trump has still not returned all the documents he improperly took with him when he left the White House, showing how serious the ongoing criminal investigation remains, meaning that they believe there is more documents outside of Mar-a-Lago. Look, the Department of Justice previewed this before when they filed their motion for partial stay. They said one of the reasons that we need to get these classified records back as part of our investigation and for our national security interest is we think he stole other and hid other documents out there. We previously have shown the video of Trump loading boxes and bringing them to Bedminster. Um, so 
I think lots of people believe that those documents could also they be gotta check. How could they, they not be in everywhere. Bedminster? They How could check. they not be in the Trump Tower? How could they not be in Bedminster? How could they not be in all of the other properties? You know he has I, all I know that I see stuff. All, I know I see all the comments right now. Check the casket. Check the casket. And maybe, I mean, maybe. Um, but but no, I think it's important. And I think, you know, like I said, the federal government does not take issues of national security lightly. And this is the most guy and most at risk our national security has ever been put in. And it's been put in this situation by a former president in the United States. This is a very surreal situation. It's really truly unbelievable. You couldn't even like write this in a movie without it seeming so ridiculous. And I hope that they are proceeding with this case with the urgency that they are. I believe they are. Um, but you know, I, I don't think we have time like at this point to be waiting for these unwritten like 60 day rules before the election to start taking actions. I think personally, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't think we're going to see indictments and stuff before the election, but I think we will start seeing still uh, overt action taken in this regard to retrieve documents and whatnot. And I think that's why we are seeing these stories about the justice department reaching out to Trump's attorneys because it's that important. It's that important. Trump is not running for office. These midterms are not about him, even though all these candidates want to make it about, you know, it's it, this it, Donald Trump is not in the midterms. Okay. So I say move full speed ahead and prosecute the guy. Do whatever it takes every time, like dig up all the stuff because we know that he is holding on to some of the worst documents on the planet, some of the most top secret information of our government, and we need to get it back. I mean, full stop. I'll give you more about this scoop for those who wanted the pod to last slightly longer. You've got your wish. Um, the outreach from the Department of Justice came from J.I. Bratt, who, of course, leads the department's counterintelligence operations. J.I. Bratt was the one who interacted with Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, in June of 2022. She signed that false statement that all of the documents uh, were returned when they were not. And here, uh, Jay Bratt asked for uh, or told Trump's lawyers that there were additional documents out there that they were aware of. The New York Times is reporting that there was a rift in the Trump camp regarding whether to be cooperative with Jay Bratt or whether to be combative. Um, I can tell you from my insight, they don't list which lawyer said cooperative, but from prior reporting, that would seem to be Christopher Keis, yeah. who got the $3 million from the Save America. Sm uh, smartest guy on the planet, by the way, to he took the that money up front. Dollars. Took the $3 million up front. And you know what it allows him to do also, though? It allows him to speak his mind more to his client because he doesn't really have anything to risk. Like He, he got paid already, right? He got paid in Trump's campaign donations and his PAC donations, and he gets to do his work. He knows he got paid. If Trump wants to sideline him on things, so be it. He got his money. One of the other he, things that the stories rumor why he was sidelined after he received the money. You guys know that, right? Because he actually gave Trump real advice, real legal yeah. advice. Trump was like, okay, actually, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll hide you to the side. That's what I was saying here. He was the one who offered the cooperative uh, approach. And Jordy, with respect to those empty folders, the New York Times is reporting that that seems to him. be signaling one of the uh, bases for the Department of Justice to believe that there are uh, additional documents from those uh, 40 empty folders that contain sensitive documents that should have been uh, returned. And so... Again, big deal, big information being reported by the New York Times just now as of the recording wow. that the Justice Department is said to believe Trump has more documents and a live analysis for you all.
I want to thank everybody for watching this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. Do me that favor, though, please. If you want to help grow this independent media channel, you can take part in that growth. Just go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Join one of those membership tiers no matter where you are in the world. It makes a huge difference, and I know you'll love the exclusive benefits, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, the Rovember shirts, the Row Row Your Vote shirts, the Convict Convict 45, and of course, Dang Brandon's most recent Dank Brandon as I'm trying as I'm trying I can't to believe this is the product stories. we're actually selling Let's right now. Let's go. Try, <laughs> trying to go through these super serious stories, and I'm like, I feel like a, uh, like a like a running back trying you, to get Brandon through. A- before midnight, so please jump on that right now. That's store.midastouch.com. You have to see this design if you're listening. And all of the YouTube watchers, now is the time also. Subscribe on audio, subscribe on YouTube, give a five-star review. Uh, it is very, very important to the growth that you do that. We're so grateful for you. And I want to say this. I am so grateful for the Midas Mighty community. No matter if you're on Patreon or wherever you subscribe, you watching this, you being a part of this unapologetic pro-democracy community and spreading the word to friends and family members and community members to watch this video is so vital. It's so important. And I'm so grateful that you are all part of this community. When I always say, when people say, well, what is, what's the best part about Midas Touch? The videos, is it the this, the that, the that? Is it my videos? No, it's not. It is the Midas Mighty community. That Your videos are a close fact. second though, Ben. Your videos are a close second, don't you worry. But no, I, I, I love this community. Third, it's it's sure. really, every single day, I'm honestly, I, I, you know, I'll take this opportunity not to get a little cheesy, but to just say thank you to everybody for supporting us because we could not do this without you. And we're just so grateful. And, and, and I love the way the community supports the community. Like that's it's so, so important. Cool. That's, that's so cool. That's it right there, Ben. That's it right uplift, there. People uplifting people. Like this MAGA movement, movement was built on bricks of hate. Right. And this movement of pro-democracy is built on support, compassion, uh, trying to uplift each other, forgiveness, all of that. Like this is this this why I love this movement is because all I care about is that we're all smiling, we're happy. We're going to go through tough times together, right? Positive vibes only. We're going to go through tough times. Like some of the news is difficult and some of the rulings aren't great. And you got these MAGA people who are gaslighting us incessantly. Like it's not easy. So I don't want to be like everything's all great all the time. It's going to be hard. But I know when I wake up in the morning, I go, I'm part of the Midas mighty jordy yeah, i'll let you bro. take it out from you got a puff, puff 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 pass it to jordy all right <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the midas mighty at midas touch we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability that's why we're spreading our message to convict 45 that's right gear up right now with your convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com that's store.midastouch.com <laughs>